Life works in a mysterious way, you know, and uh, I'm just happy, blessed to be able to be back on the court, do what I love to do, uh, be back out there with my teammates and, and try to win the game. You know, I think it was really important for us to just get to keep getting better and better and it's a great feeling to be back. Rudy Gobert and the Jazz getting the win. They open up with the victory. They beat New Orleans. Rudy hits a couple free throws with about seven seconds to go, and the Jazz get the victory in the first game back. If you look at the eight games they've got scheduled, there's three or four that jump out at you just based on the standings on paper. They ought to win. Doesn't mean they will. And certainly there were times when it looked like they weren't going to win against New Orleans, but they got it done in the fourth quarter. 27-17. They outscore the Pelicans by 10. They win the game by 2. 106-104. And Gobert with three blocks. PK, a big part of that, taking away the easy stuff inside. A couple of easy hoops over the course of the game would barely be noticed, but could have easily changed it. Oh, yeah. I thought he was significant, man. The thing about Rudy is that to really appreciate his value, you have got to you got to watch him every game. Yeah. You just you can't duck in and out to really understand what value he has and how he impacts a game. Because there's things that just doesn't that don't even show up. They don't even come close to showing up. And they show up in the wins and losses and I guess maybe uh uh opposing teams uh, field goal percentage and all. But there's so much that he brings to the team, to a team, in terms of winning, that uh, is immeasurable, literally. And that's we all watch him. We all know it because we watch every game. And we uh, are in it completely from 1 to 82 and into the postseason. And, we're, and we were watching those dopey exhibition games that they were playing. <laughs> Scrimmages win. So, I'll yeah, be there. Yeah, you know, we're all over it. Uh, but that's that's his value. And I really believe all this stuff that went on, especially it becoming public. I know like most teams, you know, the Jazz, are, they're, they're image conscious and they try to put forward, the, put the best foot forward and everything's great and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's not the reality. Everything isn't always great. It, that's not the way of the world. But I believe that with this stuff going public, as it did, is actually beneficial because now we're going to be watching. All right, are you going to be selfish? Are you going to be interested in winning? How are you going to handle it? So basically by Gobert going out and saying what he said, Mitchell was a little more reserved. Mitchell has been more along the lines of the social activism uh, on this stuff, whereas Gobert has been more about uh, revealing that they've had some issues. That puts everybody on notice. Particularly, I think it puts Rudy Gobert on notice. So, you know, if you would have fumbled that pass at the end, well, like, well, what do you expect? Why should I throw you the ball? Right. Have you got or, stone hands? Or if you brick the free throws. Brick the free throws, yes. So that was I was going to get to that, but yeah, thank you. And so that is, that to me, that's a good sign because everybody is watching. Now, people who are interested in watching when I say everybody. Now, Gobert, okay, you want it? You got to be able to do it, and he did it. You know, he got he a, a prior possession right there close to the end. I think he, he could have uh, handled it better, but this one he got the ball. He was strong. <laughs> he made the made the move. Gets fouled. Favors had no choice but to foul him. It's the right thing to foul him in that situation. So, and Donovan, we're watching you. Are you going to be a ball hog? Are you going to create stuff that isn't there and just chuck up junk? No. 
So nobody wants to be thought, I wouldn't think you want to be thought as some selfish dude who isn't interested in winning. So the fact that that thing happened, particularly as the last play offensively for the Jazz, that, I think, to a degree was because, hey, this stuff was brought to the forefront. So I believe actually this thing that is viewed negatively it's really is a negative. It's actually positive, and it'll help the team, and it'll put these guys even more so. I, I notice sounds a little extreme. That's not really what I mean, but it'll put to the forefront about winning. What can I do to help our team be better? That's a good thing. Uh, the play you're talking about, they didn't handle that well. Are you talking about the fast break when Rudy got stripped? He was running the break at midcourt? Oh, no, no. I think it was a pass that Mitchell had made. But oh, that, you're talking yeah. about something in a half-court situation. Right. The, the him that they need to rule. Rudy, never dribble the ball past in, the in a tie top game. of the circle. In a tie game. You can do whatever you want up by 20, but not now. Not yeah. now. You could just feel it coming. and it could, On camera, you couldn't see what was in front of him, but the way he was kind of slowing up a little bit, I'm like, uh-oh, trouble's coming. Stop. Come Trou- to a stop. Come to a hop stop. The old basic hop stop. Turn around and wait till somebody comes in. You can hand them the ball. I mean, you can literally hand them the ball. No, we've seen him do that a few times, and nothing good is going to come from that. I mean, what are you going to do, Rudy? Where are you going? A coast, what's the, coast what's to coast the, to throw it, it down. It, it's not going to happen. <laughs> It's not going to happen. There's no end game that's legitimately a possibility that's going to be positive. Stop that. Don't do that. I appreciate you trying to be aggressive, but you also have to be intelligent. And that this, being seven feet and having a such a wide gap between the floor and where the where your hand is on the ball, I mean, you can't dribble low. You can't get that low. You're seven <laughs> right. feet tall. It doesn't work that way. So don't do that. But I, I really believe this is good. This is good stuff that c- can come out of this. I, I didn't think it was that big of a negative anyway. I never thought it was unsalvageable. I thought that was clickbait, and that that's fine. People try to earn a living, and that's what they got. And somebody may have told them that, that it was unsalvageable. I don't even remember the story now. Yeah, I think it was a quote. And, and that's you report the quote. That's fine. Uh, and people get dramatic in the moment. I've done it. We've all done it. And in fact, I'm actually the king of doing that in my personal life. Is, fact. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> over dramatic, just making stuff that's just way too big of a deal that doesn't need to be a big of a big a deal. And it's gotten me in trouble. And I've learned the hard way over the years. And so I think in this relationship here, it's something that's a positive. And I think we're going to see it because as Locke said, and Mitchell called himself out as far as he's got to be a better passer. That's part of the game. That really, really matters. And he wants to be better at that. And, and he's be- going to be better at the, that. The better passing is not always going to get Rudy the ball. You know, it did in this situation, but there were the times in that game, and I remember one specifically, uh, and they were going to the other end of the floor, but I think it was second quarter. And there were three Pelicans inside the restricted era, and they were defending... I think it was Donovan. It might have been Conley with the ball, but I think it was Donovan. And Rudy. And it, it just it wasn't there. And I remember thinking at the time, I know you're supposed to give him the ball, but you're not supposed to give him the ball right now. It's got turnover written all over it. And whoever it was was kind of moving uh, from the near sideline towards the force, for, far sideline, kind of turned and threw it over their shoulder into the corner to an open guy who missed the shot because that's the kind of game it was. They didn't shoot the three well, but it was the right pass. 
that was the open guy. But there are times, as I've been saying, people are going to take Rudy away. You know, and the defense is going to change every time down the floor for the same reason the pitchers change uh, pitches and speeds in baseball. You know what your go-to pitch is, but that doesn't mean you need to be rearing back and, and trying to bring the 95-mile-an-hour fastball every time. You throw a changeup sometimes for a reason, and teams are going to try to give these guys different reads and see if they can confuse them. So it's going to be there for Rudy sometimes, and it was at the end of the game, but other times it's, it's just not going to be there. There's no way. Well, yeah, okay, fine. But that still is something that he wants to do and be a better passer. Mitchell is a marvelous player. That's the bottom line. He's a marvelous player, and he's going to get better. And I, for the life of me, I don't get, if you're a Jazz fan, how you can just say, I've had it with this stuff, and I'm out. I'm having a hard time. I get that you can say, hey, I don't like that they kneeled. I got no problem that you don't like that. But I don't know how I can transfer that into I'm out. When I look at these guys and the way they play and it's fun and it's entertainment, why would you deny yourself a form of entertainment that you obviously enjoy? If you don't enjoy it, well, there's no problem getting out, right? And there's plenty of people who literally have no interest whatsoever in basketball and jazz basketball and sports, whatever it might be. In fact, they're probably the majority. But if you are someone who enjoys it, I'm having a hard time making the correlation between what they did, even though I would never do it, I would never kneel, and I suppose I probably would in that situation. There's got to be, I I can't imagine that all those dudes, those assistant coaches who knelt, I can't believe every single one of them believes that's strong. I think there's peer pressure, so you have to do it, and I probably would have done it in peer pressure too, but... I don't want the attention. You're some some assistant assistant coach there who's barely hanging on, and you're not going to be the one who stands yeah. up while from one yeah. baseline to the other. Right. Everybody's so, masked up, and everybody's yeah. kneeling. You know, there's probably people who don't want to wear a mask either. But you're not going to be the one who walks into the gym without a mask. You're not going to do it. You know. Yeah, so. I get that. So I guess just, for me, I, I it's think, hard to imagine that you're not going to be into the game. I think that there are people who, um, well, first off, some of the people saying it really aren't that into it. And some of the people are, but they're fired up in the moment. And we have all been fired up in the moment about something, you know. And in the long run, I think you just have to look at the NFL, right? People were very fired up about the NFL in 2016. There was a lot of debate. There was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of passion. And... But four years later, did it really impact who's watching the game? I mean, a hand, for a handful of people probably have walked away from the NFL. But most people haven't walked away from the NFL. And at the same time, in four years, it probably picked up some new fans too, I guess. You know? But we just got a tweet from Stewart that says, didn't watch, won't watch. And maybe he'll be one of the people who does permanently go away. I mean, I don't know Stewart, so I don't know if he was watching 20 games or 50 games or 80 games. You know, I, I have found, you know, for five years... I did the Jazz pre-half and post-game. And that really underscored to me how much I actually watched because you literally have to be on the desk, in front of the monitors, at the start of the game, at the end of the game. And, you know, it's, you have it on at home and you're tracking the game, but some of these games, I mean, they're just over. You know, you know, you're watching the third quarter. You know, this team's going to win by 20, and that team's going to lose by 20. It's, it's done. 
you know? And there are also times you get other things going on in your life, and you get to the game late, and so you start watching midway through the first or second quarter. Or if you're really hardcore and you're David Locke, you, well, I mean, he's doing the game, but someone like David would have the DVR and would start watching and would catch up at halftime, right? Because they started the game five minutes late. Uh, but when you're to, to literally sit there for 82 games and watch all the games, you don't do that. You, come on. You're missing some. You're coming late to some. Do you really watch 30 games? Do you really watch 60 games? Even the people who are getting paid aren't watching 48 minutes of 82 games absolutely locked on. They're channel surfing to other games because there's multiple games on you're trying to track. Okay. So I don't know how much people are watching in the first place when they say they're going away. So you don't think it's real? I think it's a lot of emotion in the moment. I think the emotion in the moment is real. But do I think that people are going to leave forever in big numbers? No, I don't. Well, what's the emotion of the moment? Because this is oh, you're frustrated that something isn't going your way, or it's what you don't want to see. I mean, in this case, it'd be taking a taking a knee, and you don't want to see it. So you're fired up about that, and and maybe you did skip the Pelicans game. But it was on in the moment, though. I mean, this has been going on for four years. So is this really in the moment? Uh, I think this is real for Jazz fans in a way that the NFL wasn't. I think there's more people who spend more time and have more energy and emotion into this. This is your team. It's not some some team over there. I don't know how many Kaepernick jerseys there are in this market versus how many Jazz jerseys are in this market, but I would assume there's a lot more Jazz jerseys. So yeah, but if more everybody's, emotional everybody's doing it, it's uh, okay, so you did it. Yeah. Well, what, what difference does it make? And that, I don't, I'm not convinced it makes that big of a difference. I'm not convinced it's going to make that big a difference. You know, Neither I think that I. the doing is going to do it. We've had a lot of symbolism to call attention to the issue, you know, and now the actual doing whatever portion of this, you know, I think it was LeBron who had the quote, I don't know what to do first because there's so much to do. So eventually you have to pick one thing if you want to work on something and then you work on that. So it'll be that take- thing. Like that's the next step to get to. You look at Donovan Mitchell. He brought up the Breonna Taylor again last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Okay. It, it, now, the district attorney in Louisville is black. Now, he happens to be a Republican. So, that, that's that's because that's, I, I looked this up. So, they're not bringing charges. So, is, it, he, is he going to say this forever? Or is he going to yeah, move three on years to something from now, else? At the, at the end of the day, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we won a, two, uh, we won a two-point game. But Bronna Taylor's killers are still free. That was his post-game comment, right? That's what he said. Yeah. We, we, when it doesn't look, I, I'm not a lawyer, but just going on what I've seen here, it doesn't look like there's going to be charges, right? I don't know. Maybe there will be, but let's assume for sake of argument, there's not. What's he going to do in? Is he going to in in next December? Well, we just beat the Lakers, but at the end of the day, <laughs> where where's my point is? Where is this going? So if you're that much opposed to it, ride it out, and eventually people get tired. Are they still protesting in Portland? Still doing their thing here? I, I mean, believe we, so. Okay. Are we protesting here in Salt Lake? That was a big deal for a while. Eh, kind of petered out. There was a march last night. It was more for human trafficking, though. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just awful. I can't believe that. I mean, that stuff. I mean, when we had uh, Sean Reyes on a few years back, yeah. I had no idea that was existing. And then he brought that to my attention. And, yeah, that's who who could possibly be supporting that or want to be involved in that. Multi-billion so, dollar industry. I mean, that's just that's so gross and disgusting. It just turns my stomach. Uh, 
And, yeah, protest on that for sure. But the other stuff, my point is, if you're that much against it, don't torture yourself by denying yourself some pleasure because that stuff will take care of itself. Why would you not want to be involved? That game was so fun. I guess maybe because we haven't had it for a number of months and maybe I'm overstating the fun aspect of it and if it had been... uh, March 22nd, say, I wouldn't have thought it as that much different from what we have normally. But because of the circumstances, I was just captivated by that ball game. I loved it. Maybe it's because we haven't had it, but I thought it was wildly entertaining. It's exactly what I want when I sit down and watch a ball game. But it's, I think it's multiple things. I think that's why it drew you in, and that's why I told that story about being in Channel 2 with Jake Edmonds. And, uh, you know, Jake's a guy who grew up here. And then I he, love Jake Edmonds. I, every, everybody does, PK. You're, you're not alone. <laughs> get, get in line, okay? And uh, he went away and worked in Alaska a while to get started in TV and all that. So it's not like he's lived his whole life here. I think he was up there three years. And he may have done two years somewhere else. Yak, you can research that if you want. And... Uh, you know, but he's a, he's a jazz lifer, right? But he's also waiting to cut the highlights and do his job. And he's standing there. There's a timeout, and he turns. He's got this little grin. He goes, "I missed this. I can't even start editing yet. I don't know who's going to win." You know, there That's wasn't that much true time. Professional. And there's, uh, you know, you need three or four plays from the end of the game. Ultimately, there were three or four huge plays down there at the end of that game. And uh, it's partly because you haven't had the NBA in a while. You're used to the jazz. Used to the tension that goes with the jazz. There's certainly the the Donovan uh, Rudy storyline. How well are they going to do without Bogdanovich? It's all this stuff, you know. And in one minute you're intrigued by one of those storylines, and the next minute you're intrigued by another one. Yeah, I watched. I watched the TNT thing. I was surprised. Kenny Smith, Me- Meek Mill is his favorite rapper. Did that surprise you at all? Meek Mill being his favorite rapper? Didn't see it. You didn't watch that? I missed that. Was that no, before the game or at halftime? No, it was before the Meek Mill, Meek Mill did. He did a big presentation. Did you watch that, Yak? I on, did. Uh, on TNT. That was Meek Mill, wasn't it? I believe you are correct. He's a Philly guy, right? Correct. Yeah. I'm not surprised he was watching TNT, but I expect you to watch the jazz broadcast. Were you watching the jazz broadcast? I watched I, the national feed. Uh, I watched the. I wanted to see what the national folk yeah. were saying, saying about the so jazz. So I watched the pregame. Uh, when the game in, started. the NBA, yeah. When the yeah it's the yeah whatever they call it I just call it pregame so I watched the pregame ah. and then when the game started I watched our guys because our guys are going to be talking specifically about the Jazz I really don't care no offense I'm not knocking Stan Van Gundy whatsoever but I don't care his take because he's going to present it more uh, uh, national perspective on the game. No. So I watched Bowler Jack, I watched Thoreau and Harpering because I wanted our guys to see what they think about what was going on. So I watched the pregame to get the national flavor because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And then when the game started, I turned on, I changed the channel to our guys. I always do that. I never watch the national feed. I always watch our guys because they're talking about our team. And I could probably learn something because they're ex-players and they know more about it than I do. So I can learn something. But I did want to watch the pregame to get a feel for what they were going to do. (laughs) Jack tweeted at us, This game painfully reminded me of the anxiety slash frustration of watching the Jazz play. I absolutely loved it. (laughs) Yeah, and see, that's where I got to divorce myself from that because I don't really have that. 
Yeah, but you know the fans do, and it's I do it's absolutely. Hard. I just yeah. listed like four four reasons that you and I could watch the game, and I didn't list this, which for a jazz lifer, a hardcore fan, is certainly part of it. Well, I get that. Yeah, that's part of being a fan. As I've said many times, I don't live and die by sports; I live by them. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, reminding you the fourth annual Ron McBride Love You Man silent auction is going on now. The auction includes autographed helmets, footballs from Utah, BYU, and from the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl team, plus power tools, trips, services of all kinds. Place your bid today at the Ron McBride Foundation.org. That site again, the Ron McBride Foundation.org. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz beat the Pelicans 106-104. Rudy Gobert breaking a tie game. The last two points of the game. With free throws with 6.9 seconds left. He finished with 14 points and 12 boards. Jordan Clarkson led the way with 23. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley added 20 apiece. Jazz play the Thunder tomorrow at 1.30. The game's on ESPN. The Zone Sports Network coverage begins at 12.30 with pregame show. LeBron James, the game winner with less than 13 seconds to go as the Lakers edge the Clippers 103-101. to Six games today. If you're looking for a game in the afternoon, NBA TV has the Grizzlies and Blazers at 2 o'clock. Celtics and Bucks at 4.30 on ESPN, Rockets and Mavericks at 7 o'clock on ESPN. This back-to-basketball update is brought to you by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Lakers will need to shoot. Here's LeBron. Leans in short. Gets it back and scores. LeBron off the front of the rim. And the Lakers lead it. 103-101 with 12.8 remaining. Lakers get the victory. Jazz get the victory. A couple of two-point games as the NBA restarts. It's time to bring you up to date on all the stuff we have been talking about, and it is brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, PK, the big takeaway from the Jazz, uh, I think people are thrilled they won. They're especially thrilled they won on a day that they did not shoot the three-pointer well at all, 23%. That three-point number is bound to drop because you don't have Bogdanovich hitting threes, but it shouldn't drop to 23. So there ought to be a good game out there shooting the ball, and I guess they didn't need it. They got the win without it, so maybe that's the upside. Law of averages. There's a big game coming. Maybe it'll come against the Thunder Saturday. Oh, I believe in the law of averages because these guys have gotten to a level where they've been able to succeed based on who they are. So Yang's not in the NBA if he's not making threes, and he didn't make threes, and he's still in the NBA, which stands to reason, the logic would dictate that he'll make some threes later on down the line. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's Monday, we'll see. But yeah, that's the great thing about it, 
Now, I always love when teams win without playing close to their best ball because there'll be a time where that gap between being able to play your best ball is a lot closer than what it was against the Pelicans, and that bodes well for future winning. Now will the Jazz have a little advantage going forward in that they played a game and the Thunder will be playing their first game on Saturday. Thunder don't play today. They obviously didn't play Thursday. So it was a different level of uh, intensity and focus. You know, the energy level, you could feel it. Guys were more dialed in than they had been in the scrimmages. Oh, yeah, of course. That's obvious. And that's exactly what it's going to be. Sure. The Thunder will come out with all sorts of energy, too, because they're going to be excited to play. They're going to be excited to be back. These are what these guys do, man. Why wouldn't you be excited? You had it taken away, and now it's coming back to you. So, yeah, you're going to be fired up, and they're going to have to match that energy. And the Thunder could very well be a playoff team, not just a playoff team, but I mean a playoff opponent is what I meant to say. Yes. Well, as it sits right now, they have the tiebreaker, so they are fifth and the Jazz are fourth. Jazz now a game and a half. and With that win, the Jazz have moved a game and a half in front of the Thunder and the Rockets. But only one in the loss column, so the Thunder will be looking to hang that loss on them tomorrow. 1.30 uh, tip time. Pre-game show starts at 12.30 here on The Zone. All right, we also talked college football today. We had uh, Tim Brando on, Fox Sports National sports commentator, who, who's appalled at the way the leagues are rolling this out one at a time, one league showing up the next league, and the SEC showing up the ACC after the ACC says, hey, we'll go 10 plus one so we can play these, these big in-state games like Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Florida, Florida State, and, and the SEC. Now, 10 conference games. Uh, what, what is the point of that? But... Hey, college, college, ba- college football and, uh, well, college sports in general, the, the conferences, they run the show, but especially in football. So Yeah, they do. I don't know that we're going to change, and we can complain about it, but I don't know that it's going to change. Uh, it's going to be that way probably for a good long while. The Big 12 is now the Power 5 League we're waiting on, Then we'll see what the Group of 5 Leagues do. Uh, they could go conference only and just play nine games. They could go conference only and say 10 games and play a home-and-home, play a second conference team a second time, although the fight over Kansas and the fight to avoid Oklahoma would be intense. And they could, PK, bring BYU in, build some relationships there for the Cougars, and BYU needs uh, six games on their schedule right now. They might need more than that, depending on what other conferences decide, but we know they're down. They've had six games canceled now with the SEC announcement, the Missouri game's gone. So uh, BYU would fit nicely in there. And then you have 11 teams, and you're playing the 10 games over probably you know 12 or 13 weeks anyway. So everybody has a bye one week. Great. It would fit. It would be perfect. I, it seems unlikely to me right now, but it seems possible, so I don't want to give up hope on it. Me either. Think there's more games there in the Mountain West? Do you think those doors will close too? Or do you think there's some teams who, you know, the UNLVs of the world would be looking for a game and be happy to play BYU? Of course bus, they would. Bus trip yeah. game. I think that, you know, they they don't get the enormous money that the TV contracts give these schools. So I, I understand why they would be one of the last to just say, we're going conference only. Uh, you get BYU down in Vegas. Well, I guess, you know. You're not going to be selling fans. tickets though, right? Yeah, right. So that might be different. But still, you can you know, make some TV money off of it, I guess, because that's a shame because, you know, Vegas, uh, BYU, that's their second home, obviously. They literally saved the Vegas Bowl, and now we'll see where the Vegas Bowl goes now they got the big fancy stadium. 
They do indeed. That Raider Stadium is up right there, uh, looking like uh, some alien spacecraft landed right next to the freeway there. Yeah, that's kind of what they all look like now. I mean, when you're flying into Phoenix, if you're coming from the north, from Salt Lake, you look over to the right, and in the distance, I mean, the, the Cardinal Stadium just jumps out at you. It's like a huge mushroom. You can't not see it, particularly if you know it's going to be out in the distance because it's out in the west side and you're going to fly in and turn a little left to go into Sky Harbor. So it just sticks out. And then the, the ballpark for baseball sticks out, too. As you, that's, that's right in downtown, so you, can, you can't miss that thing. Did you know, change the subject a little bit, did you know Donovan Mitchell wore a bulletproof vest to the press conference last night? No. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. What did he do that go for? Go look at Taylor. Well, I'll tell you. Well, he arrived Taylor to the game, and was he wearing it in the post game as well? That's what it says. Okay. Uh, Taylor Rooks, her Twitter account, a statement. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell has a bulletproof vest. Uh. The vest features the names of numerous people killed because of police brutality. He adds the quote, am I next? Uh, maybe it was, you know, it says, no, it says post game. Quote, I have pretty much every possible name of everyone that's yeah, died of police up. brutality and police violence. So he wore a Mitchell pregame and postgame. Yeah, as he showed off his unorthodox post-game attire, there was a quote that said, Am I next? on the back of somebody's jersey. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how famous you are. As an African-American male, that's who we are. Well, I would have thought that would have gotten more run. But it's getting it now. I just Googled it right now, and I've seen some stories up on it. Doesn't matter how famous you are as an African American male, that's who we are. Reaction, DJ. I would think that that, uh, I'd be interested to talk to him. I don't know how soon that'll happen, but I'd be interested to how much this is influenced by uh, being a teammate of Cephalosha. You know, because they undoubtedly at some point on a bus ride or something, you know, asked him about what happened in New York and how it happened walking out of a club and. You know, I, I think that if you're, uh, you know, if you're if you're Rudy, you're more likely to be recognized as an NBA player. If you're a guy in the six, you know, six foot, six three range or whatever, not necessarily. So, and I wonder how much that story uh, played a role in it. I guess with Donovan, though, it could be the Breonna Taylor thing. You know, that they have the wrong address in the night. They're in your apartment, and then it doesn't matter at that moment either. Maybe. I mean, he referenced Isn't that it? in his post-game comments. You know, he's from Louisville, so that registers with him a little more. Yeah, he did play there. He played at Louisville for a couple of years. Two years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that story resonates with him a little more. So I don't know which of those it is, or maybe it's both of them. I don't know. I've had a chance to read the story, see if it gets We're into that. We're sick and tired of being afraid. Interesting. Now, you hear that from, uh, when you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was the uh, Atlanta mayor when the riots were going on saying she told her, uh, her sons, go home, I can't protect you. So that, you know, having to talk about the police and being afraid, I think that's where that comes from. Okay. All right, anything else we've discussed in this show you want to hit? Just you. Ah, ca 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 All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, your feedback. Tons of feedback rolling in from you, what you thought of the game, what you think of the Jazz and the Pelicans. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. George Niang with us from the Orlando bubble. Give us kind of the vibe of how everybody's feeling about getting back to basketball. What's the team vibe like? I think everybody's real excited. You know, we have a real chill way about us, but we're, you know, we're also extremely competitive. Nothing has really changed. Nobody's more happier than Jordan Clarkson on a day-to-day basis. I mean, that guy is running around, shooting the ball, smiling, laughing. Everyone's real excited to be back and playing basketball. And I think that's the most important thing, you know, from a basketball aspect is that guys are just excited that we have the opportunity to use our platform for what's going on in this country and to play the game that we love. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Getting on the air this week, just under the wire in the final segment. The 60th of our 60 segments this week. Here he is, Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. It's just such an honor to be here. (laughs) You missed us. Don't downplay it. You called us. We were ready to give up, but you came through. I never give up on Joe. You missed us, Joe. You know what happened was... Um, your wonderful producer, who I speak with regularly, uh-huh. had texted me a couple of times about times, and I was like trying to figure out scheduling, and because we every single day we get a different schedule, and it's not our choice; we get given it, so we have to wait for a certain time, and then we get it, and then by the time we get it texted to us, and I'd actually just forgotten to write back to him a couple of times, and I was like, look, I was just literally just getting some treatment then, and I was looking through my messages, and I was like, man, I forgot to apply, and I was like, I can do it right now. And he promptly wrote back, as always, and look where we are. Awesome. (laughs) Spectacular. Well, we're glad you're here, Joe. I I just want to, before we get into the basketball, and I'm sure PK has got multiple questions for you, but is that schedule thing... It's a bubble thing, and so those of us who aren't in the bubble maybe don't fully get it. But one of those things on the schedule is when you have to get tested, and I've read about guys who missed their test and then had to immediately be quarantined because they missed their test. So you really can't screw that up, can you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, honestly, it's the, the, the whole schedule is kind of like that. Um, you get given times. Um, obviously, we get a, a text with our, our schedule um, kind of post game or post practice or whatever for the next day, and um, the, the, I mean, this morning for us was ten thirty to eleven thirty. Um, you can try and sneak in in other teams' um, times if if there's no one in there, but but obviously they want kind of everybody going in their time. So um, yeah, and if you, I mean, I think there's been a couple players, and I don't know what they do. Obviously, it was kind of like a preseason or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if they would actually sit people out for, 
for not doing it, but um, I, I guess they kind of have to to a certain extent too, because if someone potentially going to test positive or whatever, then um, they'd have to do obviously have to do their test. So yeah, it's pretty. It's same thing with the the court times. You get given a, a practice time, a, a time slot for practice, and you've you've got to make that work. So there's no consistency in terms of of if we're in Utah, we practice at like ten or eleven or whatever every day. Doesn't matter what day it is. We're we're ten or eleven in the morning. So we've practiced six to nine, seven to ten. One, I think today we're one to four. Um, we've practiced in the morning. So like, so it's just every day is different. So you just got to adjust and um, you just got to make it work. So outside of the pregame with the kneeling and the no fans and all, everything else seemed to be the same. You're running around chasing J.J. Reddick nonstop, <laughs> and, that, and then that's always fun to see. You know, it looked like you're you got to run around with your head cut off and trying to figure out where he's going next. I'm just wondering, from my perspective, sitting down, once the game got going, aside from the couple other things, it seemed like a normal game. Is that the way it was for you, or was it a little bit different? No, no, I did. The, it was. I, I was. I was just walking back from breakfast and, and talking to um, one of the Milwaukee assistants who who are there playing. I think they play today, and he was asking about it. And that's it's really what I said. It's, it's everything felt the same. Um, obviously, once you you start playing, the, the competitive nature of it just kind of kicks in, and you, you're not really worried about kind of who's courtside or who's in the like. You're, just, you're not thinking about your family. They're like, there's nothing. And I think that's the same for everyone. If we play in Utah or if we play on the road, you, once once the game starts, you're into it. And um, honestly, the uh, the only difference I thought, um, which might be kind of good or bad, was um, was the crowd. There's obviously not as much crowd noise. That that constant noise of, of people talking or clapping or booing or like, like doesn't matter what it is. Just but that's just that constant noise. And um, they did a really good job of whatever you call it, like virtual clapping, virtual cheering. For us, it was a road game yesterday, so it was all like kind of New Orleans signage around on the screens, and it was their fans, majority of their fans on the virtual screen. And um, But, yeah, like you said, it was um, it was a lot more normal than, than I thought it was going to be kind of coming into this a month ago. So you talk about once the game gets going, you get into it. I think for a lot of Jazz fans watching that, the first half especially was a lot of stops and starts. The team might play well for a couple minutes, but then there were some really bad possessions, and suddenly you're down 12 at the half. So it seemed like it did take a while to really get into and play the way you can, but given up 17 points in the fourth quarter, that looked like what people expect, and most importantly, what Quinn Snyder expects. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, I mean, even in these these pre preseason and whatever you want to call it games um, I mean we were our, our kind of that main rotation we were only playing 15-20 minutes so it's it's kind of nowhere near um, the regular minutes we, we were going to play um, it, it's not hard to get in the rhythm but you you I understand it from both point of views they don't want to with the players like run us into the ground before the season even starts and they just want us to kind of get into it and get a flow. And, and obviously from a, a player's point of view, it's like, I want to play every minute. Like once I'm out there, I want to play. I want to get in the rhythm and, and all that. So um, I 
probably in my head knew it was going to be a little bit ugly. I, I think what we need, uh, especially without Boyan, you lose kind of 20 points a game automatically. And um, I think for us, regardless, we've tried to be a defensive team. I think that's what we should be holding our hat on. And I think we have for a long time. And um, it was up and down. Like I said, we, we missed some shots, I think. I think we missed some shots that we will, we will make in the future. Um, getting a flow of like who you're playing with at different times and the, the lineups and when you can be aggressive and when you can't be. And I, I think that stuff will just continue to get better. But what we knew coming into that game, that that, that second half, last corner, if we, we really locked down defensively, we could we could make a push. Yeah, everyone was getting tired. Um, but I personally could see on their faces, like they were exhausted in the last quarter. And um, we tried to run as much as we could, which I think we did a really good job of. And we pushed it and we, kind of kept the subs coming and we just kept pushing and pushing and that's what got us back in the game and then obviously just kind of executing down the stretch with um, Donovan's pull up and then the play he made to, to find Rudy and then obviously huge free throws by, by Rudy at the end and Royce plays a, a really good possession at the end to contest a, a, a pretty tough three and um, yeah we come away with a win. So in a season of adjustments, you're having to make another adjustment with Bogdanovich out, obviously. I'm wondering, does this team need to have success to improve its confidence in terms of maybe proving to yourselves, maybe you don't need it, that's why I'm asking the question, that you can win just as well without one of your key players as with him? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think our group has confidence regardless of of who's out there, honestly. I think... um, you could put one of our rookies in. You could put whoever it is in. If we had, if we brought someone in to to replace Boyan for this stretch, like the rules allow, or whatever. Like to to me, the way we play and the confidence that that Quinn gives us all, uh, I think we could literally play with anyone out there. I think um, we'd be a confident team regardless. But uh, like you can say all you want, and, and we can pretend or, or really act like we're, we're confident, but it is different out there without Boyan. He, he spaces the floor. He, he's obviously a hell of a scorer. Um, I've said it before, but I thought he was really good defensively for us this year, um, which has not been something in the past that people talk about. Um, so it's, it's automatically different. And my six years here, we've, we've fought that a lot. Guys have been injured in and out. and We've done it a lot this year with Mike and stuff and, and obviously now Boyan. So I think it's it's, it's honestly kind of a part of our DNA. I think we're, we're used to being the underdog. We're used to being counted out. Um, we're usually better in games that we're, we're not favorited in. We're, we're usually better in the games that people count us out. And um, that's a, a really good thing. But then on the flip side, you obviously have to be ready for, for any game. So we'll, we'll be confident no matter who's out there. Um, obviously, we all want to be healthy this whole time. If if something was to happen, and and you never know, this this whole bubble thing is, is bizarre anyway. So you never know what could happen. It's always been that kind of next man up mentality. I heard some quotes from Donovan. There were actually parts of the bubble that were enjoyable. That you know you can sit and eat, and you're not going to have any fans come up to you or anything like that. That guys are able to you know hang out a little bit on the off time and that you're kind of getting some level of, of comfort there. Is there any of that for you or is that just for him? No, no, definitely. Um, the first kind of 72 hours to that first week, like that first three to five days was, was pretty tough. Um, I think the whole 
and not necessarily just being like quarantined for the first two days. And the food that we were getting was hilarious those first two days. Like just those things were, were frustrating. But but it, like obviously everyone's different for me. Just not not being with my kids, not being getting up with the kids. Like it was it was very different to my life for the last three months. And um, I think it's it was taking everyone differently. We we were talking about it the other day, like people that are close to me, which is obviously my family is different for like Royce or Donovan. Like Royce is like, man, I just love to have my dog here. Like that's his comfort. That's what, what he has at home and he's used to having. So I, I think everyone had little things individually that they are used to that, that is normal for their everyday life. And I, I think that's a big part of getting used to it. And obviously we're a close knit team anyway. We, we hang out a lot anyway and all that. This just kind of puts it on another level because every nil's, together every team meal there's there's obviously now um there's a couple of restaurants we can go and eat at which wasn't at the start of this we we couldn't do that while everyone was getting their tests sorted and and all that so it's yeah i mean it's it, i think guys are a lot more comfortable now and and i think the other thing that that people count out a little bit is that, that there hasn't been a, a positive test since since the first one i think there was two people the first one and, and zero since uh um you feel a lot more comfortable walking around and, and obviously everyone's doing the right thing by, by the rules or whatever they are here. But um, that whole comfort level just kind of eases when, when you know everyone, everybody's doing the right thing um, to, to stay here as long as we can. Do you think this so-called public spat that Gobert and Mitchell had can actually be beneficial to the team because it really puts maybe more of the focus on winning? Um, yeah, I mean... I still, and I'll, for as long as I live, um, like, push and believe of, of how much it got blown out of proportion. Like, I'm, I'm with these guys every day. Um, not during quarantine, because I was abiding by the rules. Um, but but I'm with these guys every day. I mean, I'm in the jazz group text that we, we talk in every day. Like, it's... Um, like they've both come out like there was frustration there was frustration with everyone I, I didn't speak to any of my teammates for the first two or three weeks and that's not because I don't like my teammates uh, I, it was a frustrating situation for all of us no matter who did have a first or who didn't and my only thought for those next couple of weeks was, was my family like I didn't have any interest in talking to my team like I was trying to make sure my, my family and my kids were safe so um, doesn't mean I hate my teammates it's just it is what it is so I think it I really think it got blown out of proportion I mean as teammates and like I've played with Rudy for six years have, have we only had good times like no we've yelled at each other we've got mad at each other we've probably gone home pissed off at each other um, we've had conversations after and, and kind of it's just a part of the part of being a professional in, in this business we all want to win we all want the best we all want to play as well as we can we all want I mean, I'd love to have a 50-point game. Like, how cool would that be? But, like, it's a team game. There's so much more to it. So, um, I'll, I'll forever think it got blown out of proportion. I think with, with the world being kind of shut down the way it was at that time, I thought it, people took advantage of, of the story and, and ran with it. Um, but I also think it, on the flip side, it, it might have just helped them anyway, regardless. Like, there's always frustration between players and, um, oh, I think they've played really well together. Pre the whatever those three games where they played really well, the, the training camp leading up, they've played really well. Like I don't think um, 
whatever had happened or, or not happened. There was no grudges. There was no whatever was said in the media or whatever it was. It was, um, like you said, it, it switches to, like, let's just win. Like, if if we're winning basketball games, now, if, if we come out and had lost every game and, and lose all these eight games, then, then it probably gets brought back up again. But the, the more we win, the more people forget about it. And like I said, I, I, I really got blown out of proportion. I'm finding it odd that uh, Quinn is canceling multiple practices. You would think that with the uh, you know having to scrape the More rust off. He canceled for you. He ain't, practic- he ain't canceled none of mine. Really, we got we got an email <laughs> that the Jazz will not practice today. I got to send that email last night, and that's not the first time I've gotten it. Have you been going every day? Uh, no, we've we've obviously had our our oh, come off. on, Joe. <laughs> Do you want me to finish, or are you going to butt in? Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, we, we've had our schedule days off with, with obviously with, with Quinn and the medical staff that they sort out and um, we have a lot of days which are kind of cool what we call them get what you need days so if, if you feel like you need to go and work out or shoot you, you can we've got the court one to four like I said we get a time every day so um, 99% of the time on these get what you need days pretty much everyone goes um, unless there's an, an injury or something that someone's staying back for treatment but I'm pretty sure everyone will go over. Obviously, the rookies and the young guys always go, and then as older guys kind of plop in a little bit later and um, shoot a couple of threes, and I'll go, go get a lift in. And, um, and I think that's what, like it's as comfortable as we are here now. You could you could also get really comfortable, and you play every second day. Like you you could use it would be easy to fall into having every second day off and just not doing anything. And I think people's bodies and stuff will start to break down and get sore doing that. We've got a a pretty unreal team here of staff and, and medical staff and strength coaches and all that that, that keep us going. And um, I'm going to listen to them and, and keep doing what I've done for the last few years. As a foreign player with all this social activism, is it awkward in any way or form to take part in it in a different country, particularly with respect to the national anthem? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely different for me, I think. Um, I, I'm obviously from a different country. Um, it's not necessarily like my anthem. I, I'm not a citizen. I'm not, I'm not anything like that. I've obviously done what our team has kind of done since I've been here, we've, we've stood, obviously stood there. We've, we've locked arms in the past. Um, I think for the last couple of years, we'd, we'd done that. Um, obviously, for, for me, it's, and it's why I've got what I've got on my jersey. Like, I'm, I'm not from here. I've got a lot of black friends, black teammates, people that I'm, well, some of my closest friends are. Um, and I've had conversations with them. And obviously, teammates, we sit in rooms and talk and, I said it when I was talking about what what I put on my jersey and, and speaking to my teammates, and they thought that was a, a powerful message to, for an Australian or, or a non-citizen or whatever you want to call it to, to stand there and um, support my teammates, support my friends. Like I, I don't think people people will be underestimate like like some of my best friends that I'll forever be friends with are black guys that I love like my family and. I'm forever in, in whatever situation or circumstance. I'm going to support my friends and my family, like you would at any other time. Um, and for me, it was um, obviously I, I understand the other side of it a little bit too. Like I, I, I do understand. I, I don't think 
there's not one person here that is doing it for the wrong reason. They're not doing it to disrespect the flag or the anthem. I, I 100% believe that. Um, and obviously in, in thinking that, I I wanted to be there to support my teammates. And I, and I told them from day one, like, whatever you guys or, or the, the group, or I think there was whatever, 300 players here, whatever the decision is from that, I, I'm going to I'm gonna be there with you. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, to me, it, it felt really good for me to be able to support like I said, my friends and, and guys I consider family. So um, I know people, I mean, we've we've read some of the comments, we've, we've seen it, um, people saying they're never going to watch the Jazz again, they, they're never going to a game, they just lost their season tickets or handing them in or, or whatever you say. Um, but I honestly, deep down, I, I know that no one's done this um, with the, the wrong intentions in mind. This is... Um, it's not to disrespect or anything like that, and um, obviously that's why I was I was comfortable taking part and, and supporting my my guys. I was surprised watching the whole Michael Jordan documentary when they got to the point where they asked Steve Kerr if uh, he and Michael, both of whom had their fathers murdered, ever talked about that. And despite yeah. the fact they got pretty close, Steve said, "No, we never went there." Maybe it's just, you know, it's just too much, right? And so you are informed, obviously, by your teammates' experiences. I mean, you're a white guy, right? And you listen to your black yep. teammates talk. And I wonder how much this team is informed, the guys who are teammates. I know that there's some turnover every year. But I wonder how much this team was informed by um, Cephalosha. You know, he missed a year in the NBA. Uh, police yep. broke his leg in New York. He got like a $4 million settlement, right? I mean, they did something wrong. The fact he was an NBA player and he was rich did not help him in that moment. Um, So I'm curious if that was something that he talked about with a lot of guys on the team, one guy on the team, if that's somewhere you just didn't go? No, no, we've... um, I mean, well, I've I've been here six years now and and obviously Quinn's been the the head coach for that and and anything in in the six years of of me living here that that has happened in this country... um, whether it be racism based or, or whatever Tarbo situation, um, and not saying we talked about Tarbo situation as a team, but um, we, was, we we sit in a room and, and we discuss it. And, and Quinn's a um, kind of an open book with that. Like let let people uh, like I, I kind of wish, in some respects, that the 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 people that are, are thinking kind of not the negative way but the the thing thinking that we're doing this for the wrong reason i wish they could sit in a room with these guys and i like i'm not going to name names because it's obviously not my place to to put their business or anything out there but some of the conversations that i've had that i've listened to within our film room or or wherever it is like have made me sick to my stomach have made me go home and and speak to like i've i'm like getting almost teary like now about thinking about what some what some of their family, friends, brothers, sisters, parents have, have had to go through. Like it's it's something that me and my and and Renee, like we're never going to have some of these conversations with our kids ever. Like I'm never, I've never once in my life been pulled over and been worried about my, my life or anything. Like it's if 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 you could sit in this like in these rooms and listen to these people talk and how upset like it, it breaks them and I, I think that 
for me makes it easier for my decision to, to support my guys because I, I hear it. Like I, I can look at these guys' faces and see how distraught they are from it. And that's why I know from my point of view, I'm doing the right thing by supporting them and being by their side. And no, nothing would change that. Like no one would be able to, cause, cause I, like I said, like I sit there and I watched like, I wish I could <laughs> elaborate more a little bit, but, um, like I said, it's not my, my business to, to kind of put people's, people's other people's business out there. But some of these conversations have been like extremely hard to, to listen to. And that's why, I, like I said, like I'm, I'm so comfortable doing and representing the, the way I am is because of these things and, and these meetings and, and conversations I've, I've been a part of. It'd be interesting if those guys wanted to put some of those stories out in society, and I get I yeah. get why they may not want to, but at the same time, the whole relationship with the media is changing so fast. We can go on some of these Zoom calls, and we can yeah. say we want to ask a question, but they may not even call us. They may not open our mic. So it's harder than ever to get these stories out there, but you see the fans who say they'll never watch a game or go to a game, and you know they don't hear these stories. There's got to yeah. be a way to bridge that gap. And obviously the yeah. best way would be right here with PK and I on this show. But <laughs> if that can't work, the second best way is on one of my TV shows. And if that can't work, then I suppose there are other media outlets that would probably do a fine job with it. But I really no, think those stories need 100%. to be told because that's the gap that really needs to be bridged. Or we're just going to keep yelling at each other and we're not going to go anywhere. For sure, and I, and that's why, like I said, like I would, it's not my my place to to put these I understand. stories or I understand. names, and yeah. but like I do agree, I think it it could help, but I also see from, from their point of view again, sure. like how hard it is to like. I've had guys, we've had guys sit in the thing and like bawling, crying, talk, telling these stories, and that's to like 10, 15 people that are, we're, we're are really close with. Like we see each other every day, we're comfortable talking and laughing and like whatever it is. And like to see that with your own, like I can, you can tell and you can feel by the, the way they're talking, how much it, it not just hurts them, but their, their parents or their brothers or sisters or grandparents, like whoever it is in the family or, or close friends. But um, I, I think it's really hard for them to tell those stories and um, I do like you said I, I I think it would help but I also see the side of, of how hard it would be to, to open up about some things like that well maybe one time there'll be one guy who can do it I get it's not for everybody I really do get that for sure and it's like honestly not putting it on the same level but it was like when DeRozan and Kevin Love started talking about the mental health and, yeah. and more guys now started to open up about it now every NBA team's got a um I don't know what you, a mental health advisor or whatever the um, kind of specific role is, but um, yeah, I mean, you you never know what what will happen, and um, but yeah, like it's I I hundred percent, like I said, stand by my my teammates, and, and the reason why is because I've been in those conversations. I I would just hope that everyone could um, maybe you're not going to hear it from these specific players, but just have a think about like some of the stuff that you read about happening to, to your own family or your own brother or sister or mum or dad. And um, that's why I said that's why it makes me so comfortable to, to do what I do because I, I have heard that. 
Joe, thanks for calling in. We're glad we got back. You got back to us and were able to come on t- today. No, nah, no worries at all. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. All right, there's Joe Ingles. Man, you knew you had a good thing when you uh, got him to come on, PK, but you just didn't know. You couldn't possibly know how it was going to play out down the line. That was a really good conversation with him. I'm glad he came on. Absolutely. No question about that. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're, we're way past time, but Scotty texted us to uh, take our time with Joe and all that. So we'll take a break, and Scotty and Hans will come up next. Stay with us.